Welcome to Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Rocco Rosado. We're going to talk about his origin story. We're going to have fun going down memory lane together. First, thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. So welcome, Rocco. I was a little seven-year-old kid growing up in the Bronx, New York, and had friends that were collecting cards just for the purpose of flipping them, getting them closest to the wall, setting up a card on the wall. And the first one to knock down the card would gather up all the cards that had been flipped until that point. So basically, you had to have cards if you wanted to participate in these games. Fortunately, growing up in the Bronx in New York, there were plenty of outlets to obtain these cards. There were delis, there were candy stores, stationery stores, bodegas, every corner, every street had a candy store who sold cards. They were very easily accessible. And my friends would have to make the tough decision. Should I get the Hershey bar for the nickel or buy the pack of cards for a nickel? We all collected them in that era. There were less things probably available to us and card collecting was one of them. So at seven, I was in second grade, 1964, bought 64 tops, loved the 64 stand-ups even to this day and went on and collected 64, 65, all the way. I, I don't know if I ever really stopped, <laughs> but you're in New York and yeah. you got the Yankees, you had the Mets not distinguishing themselves other than for futility back in the early years. Right. So were you a Yankee fan? And I understand that you were two-timing sports card collecting with comic book collecting, which is heresy on this podcast. That, But you love comic books too. Another sports card inside, little known fact, but in the 50s, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Yankees were a big portion of the sets because they had three teams. So I would imagine in the Bronx, you're a Yankee fan. No, Dr. Jim, not only a Yankee fan, and even still to this day, which amazes my grandsons, Jackson and Peyton, that I can be a Yankee fan, a Met fan, a Jet fan, a Giant fan, a Knicks fan, a Nets fan, a Rangers fan, an Islanders fan. Any New York sports team I followed. Back when uh, we were kids, there were two leagues. I didn't have to necessarily pick the Yankees or the Mets. I followed all sports. And and so any team in New York, I, I was a fan of friends of mine. Some of them may have preferred the Yankees over the Mets. I like them both. To this day, as far as cards, I can never get enough Yankee or Met cards, especially the vintage stuff from the 60s and all the way up. When I go to shows, they know, hey, any Yankees, any Mets, any Jets, any Giants, any New York team, I'll avail myself. Sometimes they call me a Frito-Lay collector because I just can't have one. I, I don't know how many 1965 Pedro Gonzalez played for the Yankees, first series card I have. And there's a lot of those. Fortunately, I also liked other players. So in the 66 set, Willie Mays, first card in the set, loved that card, still to this day, one of my favorites. So whenever we were kids, I would be trading for that card. Would not trade any Mets, Yankees, but any other card I would, and I would collect uh, Mays and uh, some of the other uh, cards. Yeah, I'm a fan of all New York teams, all sports to this day, even. Rocco, that explains your inclusivity with the comic books, because you have these seemingly discordant interests. But at what point was comics in first place? 
and then uh, now in second place or you yes started- you read that exactly right that is true there were periods of times and you know how i tell that uh, jim yeah. is from my collection i still own my childhood collection mom did not dispose of it i held on to it it's a little ratty just because we were flipping and pitching cards, but I have a couple of Jim Palmer rookies that have seen better days, but they're my original collection from when I was a kid. How cool is that? You fortunately got some of your father's cards also, right? And your own collection. But did you hold on to your original cards all the way from childhood? There's some of them that got lost along the way, but uh, at least half of them, I think, were retained. But I had a question for you, just for your neighborhood in in, in the Bronx. In my neighborhood, which was the Pittsburgh area, it was considered bad form when you were flipping and playing those games in the neighborhood or at school to withhold your best cards. Was that the case uh, with, with, in your neighborhood, the Mickey Mantle out there? Uh, yeah. or, or what was the... No, yeah. I, I withheld all my Yankees and Mets. I definitely wasn't flipping my mantles. Although by the condition of them, like my 65, 66 mantles, I, I may have flipped them, but I don't recall. Oh, I know what would happen. You would put them at the bottom of your deck. If you were losing that day, and eventually those were the only cards left, you would have to give them up you would have to pitch them, but they would always go at the bottom, the last to be flipped. As you collected your opponent's cards, you put those on top, flip through them real quick to see if there were any Yankees or Mets, put them at the bottom of my pile. So there were probably days where I did have to flip through some of my Yankees and Mets, and it may have included a mantle. I hope not, (laughs) but that may have been the case. I remember in a flipping game when I got a card that I didn't recognize. Hey, this is not this year's card. Who flipped this one? And it turned out to be a 1963 Topps card. At the time, I didn't know. I had never seen a 1963 Topps card, being that I started collecting in 64. And we admonished the kid that was pitching them. He said, oh, that was my brother's card. And I got some of them said, nope, you can't throw any old cards out. Only this year's cards can you flip. Yep. Now that I'm familiar with. What are you collecting now? Are there sets you're trying to complete or like a team collector or a player collector? What's your interest Uh, right now? Jim, everything and anything. I I have the collecting gene. It's a bug. Like like I said, it comes with cards, always Yankees or Mets. I've tried on and off to complete sets. The only set, truthfully, that I've gone all the way through, vintage sets from the 60s, I'm talking in 50s here. The later sets, yes, easy enough to acquire. That's how I diverged through the 80s, have all those sets. To pacify my collecting interests, I said, this is too easy. At that point, it was too easy to get complete sets and, and put them together that I decided to collect unopened packs, cello packs and rack packs, with the player showing on the top and trying to collect all 792 1982 tops cards, except in an open rack or cello with the player showing on the top, which I did manage to accomplish. But that is a little unusual or strange, but that's the only year I did that just to keep my interest because there were basically three sets, got them all, need to do something more interesting. Yeah, I've said it. The the collecting has to be challenging, but it can't Mm -hmm. be too complicated. You know, the theory that what people do in their vocation sometimes bears relationship to the way they go about collecting. So 
What do you do vocationally? For all these years, banking and financial services. I actually worked at 40 Wall Street, and then we moved into 44 Wall Street. So I did foreign currency trading. I was a bank auditor, international credit analyst. Every job conceivable in the banking industry, I probably at some point went through, started in the bank in the training program, so went through all aspects of banking and spent a little time in foreign currency trading and financial services up until this day. That's why I'm attuned with the markets. Your background, I can see that in these different financial situations, some are very volatile and some are very mm-hmm. conservative, much right. like what the hobby used to be. Now it seems everything's volatile. What discipline have you brought from your vocation um, to the way you yeah. collect? Sure. Are good, you- good insight. I- I'm a value collector. At times, it it hasn't uh, worked out well for me because I would turn down cards and et cetera that I deem, well, that's a little pricey. Uh, Maybe I'll pass. Fortunately, I've had a lot of good dealer friends and all that would hunt out cards for me and know I tend to be frugal. How do you approach the condition aspect? Because if, if you are frugal, That's not a problem if you're willing to take slightly less than mint cards. I will take lesser conditions, but they know I'm a fuss pot on condition. Centered, decent corners, everything. Yeah. So it's difficult at times. I've been fortunate. I remember uh, not all that long ago, and I wish I passed up on a 56 uh, mantle PSA 8 because he said, I need to have $2,000 for this card. I said, I just bought a five from you a couple of months ago for $350. So I couldn't justify spending 2000 for the same card in a better condition. So it didn't, yeah, oh. I, I wish I had, but. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's the Don't thing. we all? <laughs> well, I know, but if you're of a certain age, which you are and I am, and especially if you were hitting those shows back in the 70s, yeah. anything you would have bought would have been, what you would have just mopped up. Uh, yeah, exactly. When going to shows and seeing the prices on mantle cards, ungraded, raw mantles started at $100. And I'm saying to myself, wow, I remember when these cards were $10. You know, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can spend $100, even though I need to have it. Finally, I gave in realizing that's what the market was and I wasn't going to change it. So either I was going to have to pay up on that or not have it. And I had to have it. So fortunately, I did pick up at what I deemed an inflated price. But the collector in me just wouldn't let those go. So I'm hearing the collecting gene and I'm hearing a lot of business savvy in the banking world. But that begs the question, would you consider yourself a sports card investor Or what is your posture for selling? Because you're in a situation as I am, where you're thinking you've lived more than half your life. Are you going to keep acquiring? Are you acquiring? I haven't sold since probably the 1980s was the last time I did a little card dealing back then, just like everyone turned into weekend warriors until I started to, because of my career, do some traveling and all. And actually my wife wound up manning tables at shows solo because I was out of town and she is not very astute, said everything has to be priced. I'm not negotiating and I don't know any of this, whatever it is, it's either yes or no. And after I think 89, she did a show where Joe DiMaggio appeared and said, I'm not doing any more shows, but I did get you a Joe DiMaggio autographed eight by 10. 
So that was the last time that I ever sold any of my collection. Actually, I have boxes that we dug out of the garage that had my inventory in stock with the prices on them. So I could have sold a Lou Alcindor rookie, which I have two of them there for 25 bucks, Jim, if you're interested. Wayne Gretzky rookies from 79, $15. Fortunately, they didn't sell through. That just tells you back then people thought, nah, that's a little much. I'm not. Yeah. The rookie craze all kicked in starting probably 82 was the first year with the Ripken rookie. And then it exploded in 84 with the Mattingly and Strawberry. But if you remember in 82, you had a ton of rookies there. You had Herbeck, you had Tom Bernanski, Steve Sachs, Dave Rigetti, Lee Smith. Do it. There are a ton of rookies in that 82. That's the first time I started buying lots of Ripken rookies, 25, 50 of them at 50 cents each. Tom Baranski's, I loaded up on him, lots of a couple of hundred, but they were 10 cents each, a better deal. I wish I had bought more of those 50 cent Rip- Ripken lots as opposed to those Tom Baranski lots at 10 cents each. It sounds like you got a great wife. So I just want to know what's the secret there? Because it sounds like early on, she understood this was a passion for you. We're saying that you're able to be a Mets and a Yankee fan to collect comic books and cards. So your wife apparently didn't regard this as a threat to to take you away from her. That you you all were participatory together. And and so what? Get married young. (laughs) I was 20. She was 19. We've been married for 44 years. That's it. She didn't know any different. She said, okay, I collected cards, collected comics. I was young enough that she didn't say, okay, he's not 30. So she went along with it. She is not a collector, complete opposite than me, collects absolutely nothing, does not have the gene, but she allows me to indulge in in my wonderful obsession. I also collect Hot Wheel cars, Pez, just about everything and anything. But yeah, she goes along with it just for the ride. Well, it can't be just for the ride. Just, you have to have some dedication of your house or where you live to. Oh, boy. Oh, that's a whole nother story all together, Jim. How many garages? And like you, I'm starting to think I need to maybe downsize collections that there's too much. We downsized our house and started pulling things out saying, I have too much stuff. You and I have the problem of having too much stuff. And you've already disclosed some of the things you have. And so when you get ready to sell your cards and stuff, hopefully for both of us, there'll be a ready market. So thank you, Rocco Rosado. Be back again tomorrow. And thanks, Rocco.